Chapter Twenty Two of Doxy Dent by John Ackworth. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Andrew's Victory. As the barbers drew up, Doxy was conscious of sudden and painful embarrassment. Her heart came into her mouth. She felt herself blushing violently, and the hand she held out to Andrew trembled as he grasped it. He seemed neither surprised nor particularly pleased at her presence, and as the others began to talk, he ranged himself by her side, and murmured anxiously, "'This is no place for you.' "'Yes, it is,' she replied impulsively, while her great eyes flashed. "'This is exactly my place.' Andrew looked really perplexed now, but just then Sam mentioned the question of dinner, and suggested an adjournment to the blue bell, which was kept by a distant relative of his. Andrew seemed to hesitate, and Doxy, realising all at once that she was the only woman amongst a company of men, drew nearer to Luke, and they all began to move towards the inn. Andrew was walking behind, apparently still debating something in his mind. Suddenly, Doxy turned round, and waiting for her lover, placed herself by his side, and sent a thrill through him by slipping her arm into his. Andrew nearly stopped in his amazement, but as she gently pulled him along, he followed the others, and a moment later they all came to a stand opposite the blue bell, where, as they noticed the young folk, Sam and Nathan turned to each other with glances of significant intelligence, and Long Ben became suddenly absorbed in a careful scrutiny of the signboard. Here old Mr. Rag took leave of the party, declining an invitation to dine with them, and as the others made for the door of the inn, Doxy drew Andrew back a moment, until they had all got inside, and she and he were alone on the flags. Then her courage suddenly failed her, and she felt like sinking through the ground. She was going to do an awful thing there in the broad daylight, in the open air, with strangers passing by, and her friends watching them from the upstairs window. She was going to do what no woman ought to do. But it was only for a moment she braced herself up, she had come to do it, and she would not give way now. And so, with a nervous glance around, and a blush that reddened all her face except her white quivering lips, she said, Andrew, do you remember Peggy's style? Andrew raised his head. A look of passionate eagerness came into his black eyes, followed almost instantly by one of gathering alarm. And then he cried, Remember it? Shall I ever forget it? But, Miss... But Doxy was speaking again. You asked me a, a something then, Andrew, and Andrew, struggling between delight and great fear, cried again. Yes, but, Doxy, everything is changed since then. And as he paused and gazed at her with a wondering exultation that thrilled and yet frightened him, she bent her head, and whilst her face was covered with fresh blushes and her voice trembled with timidity, she said, And I have changed too. Doxy! cried Andrew, almost in a scream. Don't! Oh, don't! You mustn't! It's cruel! It is heaven and hell in the same breath! And then, with a sudden soberness, he went on. Don't you know that I am now a jailbird? That my fellow workers are all cursing me? That in a few days, unless God intervenes, I shall have men's blood on my soul, and that this country will be too small for me? And as he stood back, looking at her with a wild, despairing look, Doxy presently raised her eyes to his, and with a glance of proud, passionate admiration, she replied, 
that is why i've changed my mind andrew that is why i'm here no 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 you must not you shall not i'm ruined doxy i've failed i've disgraced you but here they both started guiltily for sam speck was knocking upon the window upstairs for them to come to dinner my dearest girl andrew went on looking at her with a passion of love and sadness in his eyes i love you this moment a thousand times more than i ever did before and for that reason i cannot listen to you for i must not i must not marry you and doxy leaned forward until she almost touched him and then with her grey eyes swimming with tears she replied whilst love and archness shone through the tears then i will marry you andrew and be ruined along with you and then she turned and led the way into the tavern whilst her sweetheart in a whirl of rapture and fear silently followed her it was a very odd party that sat round the table in the blue bell that day sam with ostentatious and ridiculous fuss made way for doxy to sit next to her lover and then planting himself opposite to them he spent his time between the mouthfuls in leering slyly at the girl bursting into sudden and inexplicable laughs driving his elbow into nathan's ribs and whispering very mysterious secrets to him doxy was conscious of a tendency towards hysterics and hovered constantly between laughter and tears long ben looked wonderingly at his son every now and again and sighed and solemnly shook his head whilst andrew seemed so absorbed in his own thoughts that he had neither eyes nor ears for anything else presently the young labour leader explained that time was now very precious to him and that he would have to leave them two more meetings would have to be held in duxbury that day besides private ones to make arrangements for other demonstrations and in fact while the matter was settled one way or the other he would have to be working and talking night and day he left them as soon as the meal was finished and long ben and sam began to speak of returning home by the three o'clock coach luke however soon discovered that doxy was uneasy about something and when he drew her aside she whisperingly coaxed him to stay with her and try to get her and himself into at least the first of andrew's meetings luke wavered for a moment knowing how anxious leah would be about him but at length he consented to get sam to go down to beckbottom as soon as he reached home and reassure his wife and so they started he and doxy going with the others to see them off at the coach and then returning to inquire where andrew's first meeting was to be held when that was over doxy seemed as though she would have liked to stay to the second one but as that was to be held in a remote part of the town and would not be concluded until late and as luke was sure that if she got there it would not be possible to get her away until all was over he insisted that they must start off home at once then she proposed that they should stay until the evening edition of the gazette came out and against his own inclinations he consented it was eight o'clock before they commenced their return journey but as soon as the town had been left behind doxy became suddenly very quiet and the tongue that had rattled on so excitedly for some hours seemed to have tired and she sat limply by luke's side looking very mournful and pensive indeed the fact was that throughout the day she had scarcely thought of her uncle at all but now as every moment brought them nearer the village she began to wonder what sort of reception she would have she felt weary and exhausted with the trying excitements of the day and did not at all relish the prospect of a scene and so presently 
she resolved that she would not attempt to defend herself that night but endure as patiently as possible jabe's anger and then coax him into reconciliation next day alas when luke put her down in the little triangle opposite the shop and bidding her a cheery good night drove off to take the trap home she stepped to the front door of the house and tried to raise the latch and then from that went hastily to the clog shop door and tried that only to discover that both were closed against her and that the clogger had gone to bed a fretful little cry escapes her for she did not realise the significance of the situation for a moment she took hold of the sneck and impatiently rattled it then she bent down and putting her mouth close to the keyhole called to her uncle in pleading tones but there was no response after waiting a moment or two she knocked loudly on the door and then on the shutters but still there was no reply and as the dreadful truth dawned at last upon her she turned away with a wild little sob and rushed down the hill towards her aunt's cottage the two women were waiting for her for they already knew what the clogger thought and intended and when doxy saw her mother's sad face the pent-up emotions of the day found vent and she burst into a long fit of sobbing it was morning before she could be pacified and almost daylight before she got to sleep and when late in the next forenoon she came downstairs the first things that met her eyes were her own boxes and all her little possessions even down to the cherished clarionet and the pair of fancy clogs which had been made for her so long ago but she was stronger now and though she wept at the pathetic sight before her she soon recovered and sent a message to sam speck to come and tell her all the news he had gathered about andrew she had resolved upon awakening that morning to go at once to her uncle and let him have his fling at her and then wheedle him into a reconciliation but the sight of her own possessions touched her pride and the thought that to submit to the clogger's scaldings might be disloyalty to andrew restrained her so she reluctantly decided to let matters take their own course and to tell the truth andrew's struggles and dangers seemed to her very much more important subjects for thought than any trials of her own however great and so for the next few days she spent almost all her time gathering what intelligence she could of his whereabouts and doings little by little she realized that he was succeeding in his perilous undertaking first one and then another of his fellow leaders came ever to his side and as meeting after meeting was held and reported she saw that the flowing tide was with her lover one day he came to hold a meeting at beckside though to her disappointment and pain he did not attempt to get a word with her but hastened away to clough end neither did he write during those anxious days and remembering what he had said outside the blue bell she began to understand that in his view of the case much more was involved than the settlement of the strike and that in fact if his efforts in that direction failed he would regard it as the closing of his hope of winning her gradually doxy came to have a more perfect comprehension of the whole struggle andrew had been one of the moving causes of the strike and had done his best by word and act to sustain the people in their efforts when however as they saw defeat in the coming of the knobsticks the angry operatives encouraged by several of the leaders began to resort to physical violence his whole soul had risen against it and he who had been the chosen oracle of the masses now began to be mistrusted and in fact 
heartily detested by them but andrew had held his ground even when suspicion looked as if it were justified by the changed attitude of the masters the offer made by the employers had seemed to him a fair one and now he was fighting an uphill battle against prejudice and invincible suspicion to bring an end to the very contest he had been one of the foremost instruments in starting gradually also doxy discovered that the more reliable and moderate people on both sides of the dispute were speaking in tones of ever-increasing admiration of the manifold and transparently honest efforts andrew was making and hour by hour now the uncertain sounds of battle became more and more distinctly notes of victory for his side at last after ten days of anxious and exciting conflict news came that andrew had prevailed and the strike was over and whilst doxy was clapping her hands and crying for joy a shouting was heard and then the sound of a horn and a few moments later a dashing four in hand came down the brew crowded with excited and joyful men who cheered and shouted as they came and waved in the air flags and handkerchiefs and caps as they crossed the triangle doxy who had hastened up the hill caught sight of andrew sitting on the front seat of the conveyance looking haggard and worn and also very embarrassed and sheepish one person at any rate was not enjoying the demonstration the four in hand pulled up at the mill gate and cheers were given and repeated for andrew who then made a short speech then they drove away from the village en route for clough end and presently sam speck came to doxy with all particulars of the great victory and of the wonderful things people were saying about andrew later still some one brought to the village a special edition of the gazette and doxy read with swimming eyes the paragraphs concerning the great settlement and found them full of earnest commendations of her once detested lover next day sam went to duxbury and returned with stories of the things he had heard which were as welcome as sweetest music to doxy no persons it appeared were more enthusiastic in praise of the hero of the hour than the masters themselves and all kinds of wonderful predictions were made as to andrew's future and to crown all when the advertiser came out on the saturday it was even more extravagant in its eulogies of the once obnoxious lamplighter than the paper which had introduced that now famous writer to the public End of chapter 22